You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 911 of Hillbilly Shorts. This is not an emergency. There's none of that strange uh, siren or anything playing, so that really makes no sense. Ow. Well, it's 911. What's not? Oh. Duh. It didn't click to me. You duh. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry just blew my whole entry. <laughs> Hey, everybody. All right, so we're going to do some Smoky Mountain Ghost Lore. This is a, from a book by Juanita Baldwin. What's the name? Juanita Baldwin. Oh, Juanita. Juanita. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we giddy? It's like one thirty in the afternoon. Juanita. Okay, this is called... <laughs> Man at the top of the steps. Two Honeycutt brothers, Dan and Arthur, and their families pushed into the Cataloochee Valley in about 1830, which is on the North Carolina side of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Love the Smokies. Most of their descendants... Are you sitting there drinking right in the middle of us trying to take a recording? No, I said I love the Smokies. There was... I'll punch in your face. Don't worry about what I'm doing. I might be thirsty. You heifer? Most of their descendants lived there until they were forced to move in the late 1930s to make way for the park. Before it became part of the park, this isolated valley was a prosperous settlement. Today, touring visitors can see preserved farm homes, barns, outdoor privies, spring houses, and churches. Lonus and Hester Honeycutt stayed in their home until the last day permitted by the park. They bought a small farm just outside of the park boundary, But they were never as content after the move, even though they had had more modern and a more comfortable house. Okay. I like comfort. Their son, Gabriel, and his wife, Lissy, managed a hotel in the nearby town of Delwood. The motel closed during the winter, so to supplement their income, Gabriel started offering guided hikes through the Cataloochee Valley. I've never heard of the Cataloochee. It's like Chattahoochee. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it. Yeah. The valley is surrounded by a rugged 6,000-foot mountain, so he could cater to those who wanted a short walk beside a rippling stream or a moderate to strenuous hike to enjoy the abundant wildlife and spectacular views. The hike across the Honeycutt Farms became one of the most popular because Gabriel could tell true stories of his life and his ancestors and how they had lived. For a few years, the hikers could look inside the homes and the outbuildings. None of the Honeycutt buildings were on the park's preservation list. The buildings fell into disrepair at a surprisingly rapid rate, and the assortment of animals took up residence, so inside tours had to be discontinued. Gabriel's father, Lonus, would go along occasionally, and he left most of the storytelling to Gabriel, but he loved to show hikers around the spring house on the farm where he had lived for over 40 years. He'd tell them how the logs had been put into place and how he and his bride Hester had laid the rock steps to the spring house because she hated to walk up a muddy bank. I don't blame her. Wasn't she... that sweet of him? <clears throat> it was sweet of him. Gabriel Honeycutt was drafted into the Army in 1943 and served until shortly after the end of World War II in 1945. When he returned, the motel business was booming. The motel owners built two huge motels for him and Lissy to manage 
and he did not resume the hikes. He did make time, though, to hike to the old home place with Lonas as long as he was able. Lonas died in April 1949. Before his death, Lonas had requested permission from the National Park to be buried in the family cemetery, which was on the farm, but his request was denied. The cemetery would be preserved, but no additional burials were permitted. On a day off in June 1951, Gabriel hiked to the Honeycutt Lands. All the buildings were gone, and the only visible sign of human habitation was the rock steps where the spring house once stood. Aww. He had brought tools to clear the weeds from the cemetery. The task was not as formidable as he had expected because the trees encroaching the undergrowth had controlled weed growth. This done, he photographed all of the graves, the springhouse steps, and a few roses that were blooming in the place that had been his mother's garden. He sat down, leaned back against the giant oak tree to rest before hiking home, and promptly went to sleep. When Gabriel awoke, he looked up and saw his father sitting on the top step. He could not be, but there he was. Sitting with his elbows on his knees, looking out over the farm that he loved Mm. so dearly. Oh my gosh. A cold sweat seized his body and the hair on the back of his head stood up. He knew there were no such things as ghosts, or maybe he was having a dream. After standing up, Gabriel remembered that his father had said he'd go back to the Chattahoochee Valley, even if he had to go as a ghost. (laughs) His fear evaporated, and so did the man on the top step. Gabriel never saw his father sitting on the steps again, or anywhere else for that matter, but he has had several reports from hikers who said that they've seen a man on a set of rock steps. The first report was in 1953. Three male students from Duke University were staying at one of the motels that he managed. They were studying with Dr. J.B. Ryan, who was conducting studies of extrasensory perception and psychic phenomena. Their assignment was to visit places where people had been forced against their will to leave and observe as many unusual sights and sounds. All of this was new to Gabriel, so he asked if they were ghost hunters. No, the leader explained, we apply scientific methods toward the exploration of extrasensory valid human capabilities, and it has been established that some people can sense the presence of people and events from the past. Prior to their first field trip, Gabriel shared much of his family's history with the students, but did not tell them he had seen his father on the Springhouse steps. When they returned, the students told Gabriel that one student had seen an elderly man sitting at the top of some rock steps, and they had recorded many sounds. They hoped subsequent analysis back at the university would establish most of them as paranormal for a forest without a human habitation. Hmm. Gabriel Gabriel was tempted to share his experience of having seen his father, but decided against it because he did not want to participate in any of Dr. Ryan's studies. Somehow he felt vindicated by the report and those that followed because he had been in doubt that he had seen his father at the top of the steps. He'd almost persuaded himself that it had been a dream, but reports from others let him put the whole thing into the back of his head where he keeps a file labeled unexplained. Hmm. That was so cool he saw his dad. That's so neat. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. If you like what you just heard, 
We do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.